good morning, church. Good to see you here. Thank you for being here. And a shout out to all of our folks who are meeting in Port Perry and in Bowmanville and Pickering and to those who are going to join online a little bit later on. A warm welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, today we're going to continue in the Christmas story. Now, I know some of you are going to say, like, right away, you know, you think that Christmas is over, but, but it's not over. For some of you, you know, Christmas, uh, the only remaining remnants of Christmas are, are maybe cold turkey, you know, that's starting to get a little crusty in the fridge, and you're not even going back after that. For some of you, you're thinking, hey, Dave, Christmas is definitely over, because I know for sure that by now, Pastor John has all five of his trees already taken down and all packed away. He's got all of his nativity sets all put in their little boxes and placed, you know, in their storage. And that crash that went on the front of his door, you know, back at Halloween, even that's gone. Now, that may be true, but I think we're still in Christmas, and I think we're still part of the Christmas story as we meet here on on December the 29th, the, the last Sunday of the year. This Christmas season, uh, for us here at Sanctus Church, we've been focusing all about the light of the world. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually last Sunday, Pastor John took us back to uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, and he talked about the light of the world and how the Holy Spirit hovered over the darkness and how the darkness was dispelled by the light. And then on Christmas Eve, we talked about the incarnation, about Emmanuel, Jesus with us, and how Jesus became known as the light of the world. So today we're going to meet someone who is a part of the Christmas story, but this person doesn't get a lot of press in the Christmas story because this person doesn't come on the scene until 40 days after the birth of Jesus. Including this person in the Christmas story, for me, is like finding that gift. You know, when you're, when you're packing everything away, like you're starting to put all the decorations away, and you're starting to, like, take the, tear the tree down and put all that stuff away, and then all of a sudden you find this package that's there, maybe tucked in behind the tree. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, did we forget to give a gift to someone? Like, wh what's happening here? Who is this package for? Like, did we forget to give to one of the grandkids or one of the kids? Or did I forget to give something to my dad that we were supposed to give? And, you know, you, you pick the gift up and you start shaking it. and It's got no tag on it. And you, you don't know what to do with it. And then I begin to hope maybe it's for me, you know. And maybe this is my gift that Jen didn't tell me about this one. And there's a special gift for me under the tree. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of thing happen to you. But really, as we include this person in the Christmas story, it's kind of like that kind of a gift. It's kind of an unexpected gift. It's kind of a tag on to the end of the Christmas story. But yet, this person has so much to tell us, so much that we can learn from this person as we celebrate Christmas together. As Mary and Joseph brought baby Jesus to the temple to have him dedicated, they meet a stranger who has been waiting to meet them for actually quite a long time. It's the story of Simeon. Simeon's encounter with Jesus and his family is a great part of the Christmas story because it encourages each of us as we learn to wait, to wait on God, and how we can have hope for what God has promised us even as we learn to wait. So I want to read this section of Scripture. It's found in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to start at verse 22. If you've got a, a, a paper Bible like mine, I would encourage you to, to turn to it, or you can navigate if you're using a device of some sort. 
The verses are going to appear a little later on as we begin to unpack this passage and as I begin to try and teach out of it some lessons that we can learn from this interaction between Simeon and Mary and Joseph and Jesus. But I want you to hear the story in case it's unfamiliar to you. So I want to just read it. It's a very short episode. Luke 2, beginning in verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses... Joseph and Mary took him, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised You may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. I think Simeon gets left out of the traditional Christmas story because he comes on the scene so far after the actual birth of Jesus. But Simeon is this great gift to us, for in him, you know, we see what it means to wait with purpose. The Holy Spirit spoke to, led, and guided Simeon to meet Jesus and to fulfill one of Simeon's greatest life purposes. So here's what's going on in this episode before we actually dive fully in. Jewish male children were to be circumcised on the eighth day. That was the law according to Moses. But then every firstborn male child was also to be dedicated to the Lord at the temple by presenting him with an offering 40 days after his birth. And also Mary needed to go because under the Old Testament ceremonial laws, she needed to go for rites of purification and cleansing 40 days after the birth of her child. In Leviticus 12, 6, it says this, when the days of her purification for a son or daughter are over, She is to bring to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting a year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. Well, history tells us and tradition tells us that if you were fairly well off, then the family could bring a lamb as an offering as prescribed in the law of Moses. But if you were sort of more working class, then you could could get away with a, a lesser valued offering. You could bring a dove or pigeons. And so that's what we see Mary and Joseph doing. They've brought 40-day-year-old Jesus to the temple so that they can dedicate him to the Lord and to serve the Lord. And so that Mary and presumably Joseph, since he was actually involved in the delivery of the child, could actually be purified and ceremonially would be clean. So what do we learn from this encounter? What can we see in this beautiful encounter between Simeon and Jesus And especially as we see Simeon waiting for this day to arrive. Well, the first thing that I think we see is that he waited expectantly. 
Simeon belonged to a group of people that are known throughout Scripture in the Old Testament particularly as the remnant. Now, the remnant isn't sort of a formal group that you join. The, the way you become part of the remnant is that you remain faithful to the laws of God, to the promise of God, to the worship of God, and particularly you're looking forward to the Messiah of God who would come one day as the promised one, the deliverer. And so we see that Simeon is faithful. He's part of the remnant. He's waiting. I don't like to wait. I don't enjoy waiting at all. I don't like waiting in lines at the stores. I don't like people ordering like toasted bagels and stuff in a drive-through at Tim Hortons. Like if you're gonna do that stuff, just get park the car and get out and walk in, okay? I, I absolutely refuse. As some of you know, Pastor John and I hang out a lot. He's a Starbucks kind of coffee snob, and I, I'm, I'm not. And I absolutely refuse to go in a, in a Starbucks drive-thru under any circumstances whatsoever. Because guaranteed, by the time they order the whole rigmarole, you know, you're going to be in that line for 20 minutes or something. I, I like fast lines. I like express checkouts. I, I like those kinds of things. Those, those are what I love. You know, I, I love... Short lines at the airport, if I can at all get into those lines. I'm very rarely late for anything. And one of the things that just really peeves me is when I get stood up for an appointment. If I show up somewhere and someone's supposed to meet me and they don't show up, you know who you are. I really get peeved at that. I really, that, doesn't, that just irritates me. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, well, Dave, that just makes you a very impatient person. No, that's not true. That's not true. I think I'm really organized, and I think I might be suffering for a time sensitivity disorder. I may be. I haven't been tested for it, but that could be the case. Well, in reality, the things that I just mentioned, like in the grand scheme of life, they're not super important, right? Well, other than getting stood up. But what's it like to wait for something for a long time when the something is really, really important? Like, what's it like to wait for a long time for a spouse? or for a healing, or for a reconciliation between feuding friends or family? What's it like to wait for a long time for an apology, or a thank you, or an answer to prayer? What's it like to wait for a long time for a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter? Things that really, really matter in life. How do we wait for the big things of life? Well, I think there are a lot of things, but what we see here in Simeon is that he waited expectantly. Verses 25 and 26 say this of Luke 2. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's the coming of the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So Simeon was devout. He was trusting in God for the coming of Messiah. He was living his life out religiously as, as a very devout man, trusting in God. He was righteous. But it also seems that Simeon had been given a specific promise, or at least a, an extended promise from God. We, we know that the passage tells us that Simeon was told that he would not die until he saw the Messiah in the flesh. Can you, 
Can you imagine the anticipation? Not only was the Messiah going to be born in Simeon's lifetime, but, but Simeon actually had been given the specific promise that he would actually get to see with his own eyes and meet the Messiah. Can you imagine the sense of anticipation that Simeon would wake up with each day? Now, we don't know how old Simeon is in this passage, but, but everybody generally agrees that he's not a young man. He's an older man. How long has he been waiting for this promise to be fulfilled? How long since the time when God gave him the promise until now? And how did Simeon conduct himself? And I believe that Simeon is a man who is filled with anticipation, that he waited expectantly for God to do this. And think of all of the things that Simeon would think about. Was he going to meet the Messiah as an infant or a child or a teenager or an adult? And was the, you know, how did he know what the Messiah would look like? Was the Messiah going to be the one who had initiated, who would come up to Simeon and say, hey, Simeon, I'm, I'm the Messiah, the one you've waited for? Or was Simeon going to recognize the Messiah? All of these questions, and I'm sure all of these questions and more, filled Simeon's mind day after day, month after month, perhaps even year after year. Can you just imagine the tension and the excitement that Simeon must have felt each and every day? Now, because God had given a promise to Simeon, it was vitally important that he stayed connected with God while he waited for the fulfillment of this promise. The text tells us that Simeon was righteous and he was devout he was believing God not just for this promise, but he was keeping the faith and looking for God's promised Messiah. But then in verse 25, it tells us that the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Remember the series of sermons that we had just before we entered the Christmas season on Galatians? Simeon was walking in step with the Spirit. He was living according to the Holy Spirit and not according to the things of the flesh. So Simeon was filled with anticipation and doing everything in his power to live his life as a righteous and devout man and step with the Spirit of God because he was expectant every day. He would wake up every day saying, maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day I'll meet the Messiah. Can't help but think that a lot of people miss what God has for them because they're not staying connected to him. They're not walking in step with the Spirit. Friends, it's so, so important that we work on our connection with God. And in a few moments, I'm going to give you some practical things to think about in regard to that. But for now, be thinking of what God maybe has promised you. Has God made some promises to you and are you filled with anticipation about those promises that God has made to you? Even if those promises were made a long time ago, do you get up every day with a sense of anticipation, with a sense of excitement that maybe today will be the day that God fulfills those promises? What about us as a church? God has made certain promises to us as a church, many promises to us as a church do you come to church, uh, you know, every week saying that maybe this is the week that God begins to fulfill some of those promises very specifically? Do you come with a sense of expectation and excitement and awe and wonder and you are ready, you position yourself? See, this is what I think we can learn from Simeon as individuals and as a church. We need to wait with expectation 
and with anticipation. The second thing that I see that we can learn from Simeon is this, that he remained ready. Simeon lived his life according to the ways of God, and he stayed connected to God, and he really worked on his connection with God. And so when the big day came, when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple courts that day, Simeon didn't miss it. He positioned himself to be ready for action when the Holy Spirit prompted him and led him. Look at verses 27 and 28. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. That's Simeon. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Because Simeon stayed connected with God, because he he worked on his relationship with God, he knew when the time was right for him to move into action. Now, as I said earlier, we have no idea how long Simeon had been waiting. But now that the big day was here, he was not going to miss it. He was sensitive to the Spirit's prompting, and he acted upon what he heard. Now, that's a whole other sermon Sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and then acting based on what the Holy Spirit tells us and how he prompts us. We can learn so much there, but that's got to be for another time. Can you imagine how Simeon felt at this particular time? Like maybe he's been waiting for decades. Maybe it's just been years. (laughs) Maybe it's only been months. We, We don't know. But prompted now by the Holy Spirit, and because he was ready to act on that prompting, he moves into the temple courts, and here comes this couple, Mary and Joseph, and they're carrying this baby, and Simeon knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that the baby they have is the Messiah. So many questions answered for him. So he takes the child in his arms. What must have been racing through Simeon's mind at that particular time? We know some, and we're going to see that in a moment. I've been in pastoral ministry for over 25 years now. One of the things that I enjoy doing is weddings. Every once in a while, a couple will request that I I do a wedding, and and so I've done quite a number of them over 25 years. And weddings are, most of the time, a pretty fun event, (laughs) The rehearsals, maybe not so much often, but when we get to the blessed day, you know, it's, it's usually pretty good. Everyone's pretty, you know, good spirits and things are happening. And so we go through all of this rehearsal and then, then the big day comes and what happens is, imagine it was here, I would get to stand up here and all of you are the invited guests and you're there and standing beside me would be the groom, the young man or the maybe not so young man who's getting married and all of, all of his supporters who are there to make sure he doesn't run away. And then uh, what happens is some music gets cued. And then, you know, if we want to be super Hallmark cutesy, then little kids come down throwing stuff all over the floor. And then, you know, come the the attendants. They come after that, the the bride's attendants. And they come down. And then when when the right cue of music is given and I see the bride often with her dad at the back door and I know it's go time, I invite everyone to stand, and everyone stands. And all of you would turn, and you would look back at those doors, and all of these eyes would be focused on the bride as she makes this grand entrance. Except what I do is I watch the groom. And it's hilarious. 
Like, I don't watch them the whole time, but I certainly take a good long peek at them. Part of my responsibility is if he faints and goes down, I got to get him back up and get him revived again. But it's so great to watch these guys, macho, tough type guys, just bawling their faces off. You know, at that particular, you know who you are, guys, okay? You know who you are. But it's, it's so incredible to watch all of these expressions that are on their faces at that moment. Why? Because this is their dream come true. This is the moment. And there's so much wrapped in that moment. And it shows on their faces. I think that's kind of what it was like for Simeon. What if Simeon hadn't been open to the Spirit's leading that day? What if Simeon had just had a bad day? What if Simeon decided to just sleep in that day? What if Simeon had begun to doubt that the promise that he had received, let's say years before that, had begun to grow dim in his mind and in his heart? And what if Simeon had gotten sloppy in his relationship with God and and just wasn't staying in step with the Spirit and connected to God? What if Simeon had started to listen to some of his friends who had doubted that Simeon had even heard from God in the first place? See, there were many in Simeon's day who missed seeing Jesus for who he really is. And there are many today who miss seeing him for who he is. What about you? You ready? The third thing that I see in the life and this encounter with Simeon and Jesus is that he responded in worship. This section of scripture is a wonderful praise song. The whole thing is a spontaneous love song that Simeon breaks forth in. And I stopped a little short because we just don't have time to go into the rest of it. But if you read on from verse 33 onwards, you find that Simeon keeps going and he blesses Mary and he blesses Joseph and he continues to praise God. But in verses 29 to 32, it says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. As I read these spontaneous worship words from this old, righteous, and devout man who has now seeing his promise fulfilled. I think of all of the great Christmas songs that we have. There are so, so many great Christmas songs, but a perennial all-star in my, hit, in my list, in my playlist, is Mark Lowry's Mary, Did You Know? And, and one of the particular lines says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb and the sleeping child you're holding is the great I am? Simeon got it. He realizes that the 40-day-old baby boy that he's holding is the Messiah, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace that was promised by Isaiah hundreds and hundreds of years before. Now, don't miss this. What does Simeon do based on what he knows and who he's met? Well, he responds in worship. Worship is a verb. It's an action. How are we to respond? 
when we meet Jesus, how are we to respond each and every day as we meet Jesus, as we get up every day with a sense of expectation, whether we're waiting for promises or we're just doing normal life, how, how do we respond as we remain ready to the promptings and the pushings of the Holy Spirit, to the whispers of the Holy Spirit? Well, friends, we need to respond in worship. Listen to these incredible words found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. These words should just completely blow us away. This is the summary of all three Christmas services and sermons that we've been on. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said... Let light shine out of darkness. Made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. When we meet Jesus, we meet the light that overcame the darkness in Genesis 1 and verse 2 that we talked about on December 22nd. When we meet Jesus, God shines his light into our hearts and displaces the darkness of all of our sin. When we meet Jesus, God fills our lives with the knowledge of Christ. When we meet Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. And when we meet Jesus, we set out on a journey to become more like him, becoming fully devoted followers of his. Simeon says that he can now die in peace because he has seen the fulfillment of what he's been waiting for. God has fulfilled his promise Simeon's wait is over, and now his life purpose has been fulfilled. He has finished well, he has run the race, and he can rest in peace. Simeon has met Jesus, the light of the world. So here's what I want you to think about for the remainder of our time. On the dawn of a new year, in fact, on the dawn of a new decade, Here's what we can learn from this old Jew 2,000 plus years later. See, in three days, it's going to be 2020. And all of the research tells us that people are filled with anxiety and they get nervous at the turn of a big time click. A new year, a new decade, a new millennium. Thinking through Simeon's example is so much better for us than making New Year's resolutions. Here's what one author about the, who was commenting on this passage said that I really loved this week. Where are our goals that relate to passionately pursuing God or knowing him better? Why do resolutions for the most part deal with external matters? Is our soul so unimportant? If exercise is valuable for physical well-being, should we starve our inner being? Simeon suggests a better way. So how are you and I to live? What can we think through for this new year, for this new decade that we're about to enter into? Well, let me just ask you the same three questions as the points that I just pulled out of this and give you some things to think about as you ponder at the end of this year and the beginning of a new year. First one is this, am I living expectantly? Are you living expectantly? 
Like, has God given you some promises that you wake up every day and you're saying, maybe today is the day that God is going to fulfill those promises, those things that he promised me, maybe years ago, maybe some of you, it's decades ago that God made some specific promises to you. Are you still waking up each day ready and waiting expectantly with anticipation that maybe today is the day that God answers those prayers? And then what about us as a church? God has made so many promises to our church. Do you come week by week to the times when we celebrate big together like this? And are you filled with a sense of anticipation as we gather together that maybe some of the promises that God has made us as a community, that today is going to be the day when God shows up in an unusual way with unusual power and presence and moves among us. See, I I think we need to live with that kind of expectancy, with that kind of anticipation. Simeon would certainly encourage us to do that. Now, some of you might be saying, hey, Dave, I don't have any specific promises from God. I'm I'm not sure that I can remember any specific promises. That's okay, because we talk about this all the time here at Sanctus Church. Common faithfulness. There's so much in here. There is so much in the scripture that you and I can be doing and should be doing and how we should continue to live out our lives. There's enough in here. And are we waking up every morning saying, maybe today, Holy Spirit, maybe today is the day that you're gonna prompt me in a specific way. And so I'm gonna enter into this day with a sense of expectation, maybe not for a promise to be fulfilled, but as I learn to walk and step with the Spirit, as I try to live my life as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus, is maybe today you have an assignment for me. Do we live our lives with that kind of anticipation and excitement? And then are we ready? Am I ready? Are you ready to faithfully follow and serve? Am I cultivating my walk with God every day? Am I walking in step with the Spirit? Am I trying to live according to the things of the Spirit and not according to the things of the flesh? Do you need to go back and re-listen to the Galatians series to go online and to get all the resources from the connect groups there and to read back through those to say, hey God, I want to have this sense of expectation, but I I need to cultivate my walk with you more thoroughly. I need to be more intentional so that as you speak and when you speak, I'm ready. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing to one day stand before God and for him to say, hey, Dave, here's all of the opportunities where I wanted to use you. And I wanted to prompt you, but you just weren't listening and you weren't ready. See, I I don't want to take that chance. I think most of you don't want to take that chance either. So we need to have a sense of anticipation and expectation, but we need to be ready, friends, for when God speaks and when God moves and when God prompts us. One author that I read this week said, it's never too late to be ministered to by God, and it's never too late to minister for God. And for some of you who maybe think, oh, I know I've blown it in the past. I was even prompted, Dave, uh, you know, oh man, and I just, I wasn't faithful and I didn't act upon it. It's never too late. Our God is a God of second chances. We need to walk in step with the Spirit and we need to be ready when he moves us. And I also love Simeon because While he's waiting for the fulfillment of this promise, day after day, maybe month after month, year after year, he learns to live with contentment. 
Again, another author. This is a great quote. I just love it so much. I want to share it. This passage offers a whole perspective on life and contentment. Contentment is not a matter of age or energy level. Neither is it a function of accumulation of things. It is defined by an openness to serve God and to share him with others. Such a perspective calls for serious reflection. You and I know for sure there are so many competing voices in our lives. So many who are saying, follow after this, get that, pursue this, invest in this. And we need to be clear-minded And we need to have a single purpose and single uh, hearts when we pursue the things of God and when we follow after the things of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of the other things will be added as well. 1 Timothy 6.6 is a verse that I love because it continually challenges me. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness is with contentment is great gain. So am I living expectantly? Am I ready? And then finally, am I drawn to worship? Public and private worship. Am I drawn to it? Or is it a chore for me to worship? I mean, just answer this question for yourself. You don't have to do it out loud. Don't want to embarrass anyone, but but what's it like trying to get to church week after week after week? Are you drawn to worship God because you can't wait to meet with the people of God because of what God has done and who he is and you love to gather and you love to sing out praise and you love to read the scriptures together and you love to pray together and you just can't wait to just bring it? See, I wish we did church more often. That's just me. That's just me and not from an up here perspective because most of the time I'm down there with you. But I love coming to church. Why? Because I get to worship God with all of you. And these guys, when I sing at home on my own or in the car, it's not, it's not so good. It's just not that good. So I love it when all of these guys lead us together because you can't hear me singing. It's so awesome. So I can just, like, I'm harmonizing like a crazy man in my head. But I know if you were standing in front of me, you wouldn't agree with that statement. But see, I come with this sense of anticipation that maybe God's going to show up in a profound way. Now, we know that God inhabits the praises of people, so we're guaranteed his presence all the time. But what if today's the day that God shows up in an unusual way? I come with that sense of anticipation. And I come ready. I spend time in prayer before I ever come. I ready myself. I get up early. I make sure there's nothing going to stop me from getting to church. Why? Because I'm so filled with anticipation as I come. And then I'm drawn to worship. I love to worship God because of all that he has done for me and all that he has done for you. I mean, I don't deserve what God has done on my behalf, and yet because of his great love and his great mercy, he has done it. And I'm never going to get over it. And we should nev- you should never get over that. And so we are drawn to public and private worship, even our own devotional times. Wouldn't it be great to finish well, like Simeon? The Holy Spirit leads and guides and speaks to us to help shine Jesus, the light of the world, 
into a world that is full of darkness. You know, what, what could this year be like for you? If just even in this area we became more intentional. What could this year be like for us as a whole church if, if we were just so much more intentional and we came with that sense of anticipation? We came ready to be prompted and to be moved by the Spirit of God. And what if we were just a people who are marked because we're just drawn to worship so strongly that it just changed, you know, how we do even what we do. I believe that Simeon would tell us it's worth it in the end. It's worth it in the end. So may God help us in this coming year in 2020, in this new decade that's in front of us. Who knows what's in store for us individually and corporately, but God is faithful and God is sovereign and we trust him because he's our God and we have no one else to turn to. And so let me pray for us as we close out this part of our service and as we get ready to worship him and to continue to worship him. So Lord, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God, for being with us. Thank you for the example of Simeon who finished well. Lord, would you help us to be those kind of people? Would you help us to be marked by the same attitudes, the same character, the same conduct as Simeon in his pursuit of you. And we know, oh God, because Scripture tells us over and over again that when people passionately seek you, they find you. So Lord, as we enter into this new year and this new decade, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in great power among us to move in new and fresh ways in our individual lives and in our whole church. And we will give you praise and glory and honor as we worship you together. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.